Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a special edition of What Are The Odds for Round 13. We are coming to you live, that is right, live from Elsinwick. Why? Because some of you have reached out to us via our socials, face-to-face, all the other mediums that you can get in contact with, the two best tipsters this side of the Yarra, and said, oh, I'd love to listen to the podcast, but I just can't be distracted at work, or I just can't squeeze it in before the round starts, or, you know, I'm just not that dedicated, and I just want the tips. And we're here. We understand that. We can't all be footy nuffies 24-7. That's why we're here to condense it down, to give you the tips, to give you the money, to just give you the football know-how that you can drop at the pub on a weekend and pretend that it's yours like every other footy show does to our little nuggets, our little stat facts, and our little football theorems. So we're coming to you live via Mixler. If you have any questions, jump in the live stream, jump on our socials, and we will answer them at the end of each segment or the end of each rant or the end of each match. Other than that, we will still be bringing you the podcast as per usual because we're all about giving the people what they want. Someone else who gives the people what they want is our proud sponsor, bringing this all to you for absolutely free, and that is the Yorkshire Hotel. We're in the middle of buy rounds. That does not mean that we have less sport to listen or watch or enjoy or partake in. The football, that is round ball football, that is the other football, the not-so-good football, is... World Cup is coming this weekend. The Socceroos are kicking off against France on Saturday night at the glorious time of 8pm. Perfect for your after-match football function. Head on down to the Yorkshire Hotel, corner of Punt Road and Langridge Road in Abbotsford, and they will have it on every single screen, except for a couple of screens for the AFL game that's also on that night, because we know how much all footy fanatics love their footy. All right. It's been a big weekend. A lot of emotions. We covered our lines, we broke even, and that is always good. But by popular, popular demand from the man himself, the big barrel, it's rant time. Usually we have co- we have coaches corner, sometimes we have a bit of their self-analysis. This week, it's all rants, all the time. We've got four big ones. And uh, to break with, uh, you know, to break with character tropes, I've got a real rant as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm coming off the big barrel long run here. Well, f- my first little rant, uh, you sprung this on me, we were going by about 15 minutes ago. So, yep. And you know how generally well prepared I'm not. Yeah. So this could be interesting and you've, you could have stitched me up here a bit, but let's go with it. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty confident we'll, we'll get something out here. I reckon as well. And at the end of the day, you know, if you want the polished version, listen to the podcast. If you want it real and raw and straight up the front, then uh, jump on the live version, which you are right now. So, first segment, Bad Beats, a.k.a. The Real Footy Rants. I went to the football a lot this weekend, but Monday was obviously the big one, the big freeze at the G, freeze number four, great event for charity. But who else froze, Baz? Melbourne. Melbourne froze. They drank their bathwater, the bathwater was frozen, it gave them indigestion, and they just choked against the Pies on the biggest day of their calendar, really, because they're not going to win the final now. Well, Collingwood did... To them, what Hawthorne did and what, what Richmond, Richmond did, did. Uh, so and what the good teams have been able to do to them, and yeah, it was well well analysed after the game. If you watched any of the football shows, you know, on the couch talking footy, uh, three sixty, even the analysis after the game, it's just and even you know Trelaw brought it up, and we spoke about this I think round four or five after the Hawthorne game, where they they're good at getting the footy. They, they had I think they were plus eleven or plus twelve at first disposal at the contest. But they got smashed in clearances because on they get numbers inside and not enough numbers outside. And when they get out and under pressure, they turn it over. They've got no defensive structures whatsoever in place to stop it. And then all of a sudden they get heavily scored against. So, 
you know, they can have Gorn all they want, but it, unless he's unless they're going to get some outside runners, which we've talked about as well, then yeah, it's they they get scored a lot very easily when they don't defend because they don't defend well, they don't run both ways very well. And again, if you watch the end of the game, you saw a few times where they got that first disposal, gave the first hands off. It looked like it was a near clean, and all ran forward. But as soon as a bit of pressure, turnover, none of them went the other way. And yeah, and it, it worked. Collingwood. Oh, we'll talk a bit more later about the, the you know the way football is going and the the big hoo ha about how can we fix football. But the you know the fact was that both teams played with pretty much two or three stay at home forwards, pretty deep. There's a big gap in between each stoppage and the forwards. And it was a lot of one-on-ones, but the, what it created was space. And Collingwood used the football a lot better going forward. And if you even the comment, like if you listen to any commentary and watch Melbourne, every time they kicked the ball, or whatever, that was under pressure, and they didn't have the the skill or the composure to hit a target. And I, I'd like to ask what uh, you know. Tom McDonald played really well, did his job, but Jesse Hogan took I think took to the third quarter to take his first mark. And poor Cam Pedersen, you know, didn't get much of a look either. So. You've got to look at their game style and how you know how much effort these players want to put in. And that's the two major things I want to talk about. Everyone says that this team is a contender. They are not. They are the ultimate premiership ultimate favorites. pretender. They'll three the or four or five premiership favourites. Ultimate pretender. And everyone has been drinking their bathwater. And now everyone should have a massive bet of food poisoning. They're a plan A only side. If you go back to our round three podcast, we broke teams down into. Plan Plan A only, no plan, or multi-faceted Swiss knives. There's a Plan A, and it's it's a plan doesn't work. It's win the ball on the inside, as you said, and then give it to no one because it's it, like, they have to carry it out of stoppage. Yeah, they're not they're not smart, and that's my major major concern. As you said, against Hawthorne in round four, they they got smashed in clearances, but they won the hitouts by about forty, which is just ridiculous because Gorn is obviously a very good ruckman. Uh, against Richmond, they same. They won the hitouts by about forty again. Lost the clearances, like, therefore lost the inside fifties. And again, they lost the hitouts because you know Grundy is actually a, a fairly decent ruckman as well. well. Actually, he should be all Australian. Everyone's saying Maxi Gorn, but again, if you, if the ruckman doesn't allow you to win stoppages, regardless of the setup, he can't be the all Australian ruckman. Grundy is my all Australian ruckman for mine. And again, smashed in the inside fifties because they don't win the ball at the source and do anything smart with it. Yeah, Salem's probably their best player like that, and 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 so has um, Brayshaw. Brayshaw's been really really good, but they seem to do a job on Phillips, but it, it negated him as well. Like Phillips didn't barely got a kick, but either did Brayshaw. And then yeah, it, Salem was pretty well held all day as well. And those two, they, they're the ones that were getting on the outside. And you just got to question whether Vince and uh, Lewis still kept getting the game what they add because they looked a bit done like you know Stephenson and Hask- Hoskin Elliott and those guys with a bit of speed and a, and a good bit of leap on them they really outplayed the, the, those defenders who were playing the extra because Melbourne always played one or two behind the footy and yeah you look at Grundy as well he had seven tackles now Gorney only had one I think maybe two so Grundy might not be winning the tap outs and if he is then he's following it up as well so they might get the first possession like they, they did but Grundy's probably there smashing them while they're getting it, so it's going to be a you know, 50-50 ball or a turnover. And yeah, Collingwood just stayed around it a lot better and set up a lot better, and Melbourne just had no answer for it, really. And they did keep coming, and I think you know, Collingwood should have put them away in the first quarter, but you know, the game is obviously a game of momentum, and Melbourne had their chances but didn't take them, and then Collingwood just kept them at arm's length pretty much all day, really. Yeah, and so again, you mentioned there about that, that shape and what Melbourne does on the outside, which is not much. 
And all year I've compared this team to, to schoolboy footy. Like Melbourne, for all intents and purposes, plays like a school footy team. And the number one thing in junior football when you have elite... And that, their midfields are quite good. They've got elite talent on their list, but they're just dumb. So the thing you want against elite midfielders from doing at a young age is getting caught in the sinkhole. And they, there was, again, every footy show looked at it because it was so obvious to see that they had all their players around... Like, they had six midfielders around the pill. Everyone trying to win it for themselves. No one stopping and thinking, oh, actually, there's already two in. Maybe I should back off, or maybe I should block a little run, or maybe I should block a lane. I should get in a dangerous space. I should make someone accountable. There was none of that like elite-level thinking you see from properly good midfielders, like your fives, your pendles, your danger fields. No one getting positions that's trying to cause another person to be accountable or be an ex-link in the chain. And instead, it's just this blind-eyed, dumb focus on winning the hard football because Melbourne's mantra or brand that she's been a hard-nut team. But it doesn't win them games against teams that can back it up there at the source and then make them count on the outside. Just, and that has to come back down to the coach. I was going to say, do you think also start like that Brayshaw move didn't work and then you've got um, Tom McDonald starting the wing and they always have one start off the back of the square. So even if you know they won the footy, it's five on six and Collingwood obviously had one going as well but we, we separate we, we set up a bit differently forward so do you think like you had to make a change or was he too worried about Phillips and negated you know a bit like Jones against Mitchell was it Mitchell that, that game mm. where yeah he, he yeah he negated Mitchell but the whole Jones, still Jones, won the game yeah, yeah and Jones barely got it was barely anywhere near it so yeah. so does he he's probably robbing you know Peter the same ball yeah. yeah when Maybe she just wrote about his own team. I, I, for me, I always think about this as well because obviously when you're playing against teams, you can't be against teams you know a lot about, especially in local cricket, local footy. I, I get really annoyed because you should just worry about yourself because if you stick to your structures and play the way you want to play and tick off your KPIs and if you think you're good enough and that's, that's your basis and nucleus around what wins you games of footy or cricket or whatever, then you shouldn't worry about the opposition and that's the number one concerning thing coming out from this match, is that you look at the two lists and take away any form, any kind of trend lines, any kind of hoodoos, Melbourne wins. Yeah, well, Melbourne, Melbourne's... Melbourne should have... Like, we said Melbourne was going to win this game by four or five goals. Yeah, I... And they got reverse spanked. As a Collins sport, I... You loved it, but I... it yeah, cost I... you dollars. Well, no, I was happy with a four or five goal loss. Yeah. Because I just thought we're not... Like, this year, I'd be happy if we played finals. That, that's me. I'm happy if we make the finals. It gives me something to cheer for in September for a change. Yeah. And then, because I, I still think we're probably a year or two away, and who knows what's going to happen this draft, this draft period and trade period. So, yeah, for us to win like that, I, you know, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm thinking I'm a bit, bit more of a believer this year as well, but I don't want to get sucked into the uh, the fishbowl that is the Melbourne media and the AFL media in general, who I can't believe that they talk them up that much after beating... I think they're beating the same teams as us, all below us. And yet David King said we beat nobody, and he said that Melbourne can win the flag. And they got backed in to three dollars forty-five flag favourites before before the game. They the flag favourites for the competition. Ridiculous. They all well, have been secured at Essendon, Carlton, Gold Coast, Gold Coast. Look, they haven't beat Adelaide, who are form lines. Sure, Adelaide haven't been that great either. No. So yeah, just. People just need to relax and don't start talking up Collingwood's Premiership contenders because they're not. There's only three, probably probably two teams in it, and that's West Coast and Richmond and probably Sydney at the moment. Yeah. And you watch people start talking up that team that I, I really don't like at the moment, and I can't even name them. So I said... Like, next, that's right. I can't name but them. But we are going to have to name them. So long story short, 
if you are still on the demons bandwagon, get off before all the wheels fall off. They are no good. They are the ultimate pretenders. And from a betting perspective, you can't bet with them or against them. Just leave them alone whenever you see them playing because they were an embarrassment on the weekend. And they, you know, for what they should be, they're not anywhere close to it. Now, good luck with this one, Brian, because this is your rant. You said the team that must not be named, poor Adelaide, is... What's the thing of that now? Because you said... I'm going to absolutely blow a gasket if they beat Richmond because they shouldn't. They're not good enough. They don't have the list. And then Ollie Wines and co, Patrick Ryder, bit of Chad Wingard, all these little all these little flaky guys that never show up when you expect them to and then they always show up when you don't. Just went, no, you know what? We're going to play, we're going to play pretty decent footy. Richmond was well off. Richmond was missing about, I think it was eight of their premiership players. But at the end of the day, Port were too good. Port were a lot better. Port played the way they, they can... And much like Melbourne, they could be a top-four team if they did it every week. Well, they, but they don't. The thing is, they're going to be a top-four team and everyone's going to jump on their bandwagon because they play, I think, seven of the next 11 home games. They've got the easiest run home. They play a lot of bottom-sided, like bottom-table teams who are going to f- absolutely flog at home. Like they start this week with Western Bulldogs, even though the weather might stop them from flogging. And everyone's going to be up and about about Port Adelaide, but don't get sold in. I'll tell you what, if they make the top-four... If they if they get into the grand no they'll get knocked out in straight sets and if they don't I'll go to their preliminary final dressed up as a Port fan and cheer on Port. That's that, that, that's a massive bet right there because they will not get that far. Trust me. That's ridiculous and amazing. Well, I love it. Realistically, they should finish top four with their with their run home seven and eleven at home and against a lot you know weaker opposition. So they should finish top four, but. The only thing I can say is on the on the weekend, Wingard went in the middle, showed some really good form, gave him that bit more, dif- bit different. So it wasn't Pepper, it wasn't Wines bashing and crashing and Boak. It was a little bit different, gave him a bit of a class, good ball usage, a bit smarter around the stop. It just gives him a bit of X factor. And, you know, going forward, they're okay, but they're really only going good going forward for that 10-minute patch in the second quarter. It was a pretty even game after, uh, other than that. And Richmond really weren't, they haven't seen Richmond play like that before. They really panicked, rushed kicking. Port put lots of numbers behind the footy. And Richmond weren't exiting out of, their, out of the stoppages cleanly and were a bit panicky, kicking it to their spares. And it just kept coming back. It was just repeat entries. And at, at the end of the day, you're going to fold somewhere on the lines. Yeah. And for that 10-minute period they did, they put a big enough gap on them that Richmond could keep coming back. And Richmond just weren't clean. I've never seen Richmond fumble and just drop like simple... Marks and not pick up the ball clearly at their feet. So I wouldn't get too carried away if I was a Port fan or a Port supporter. And for Richmond, I think they're just they're just in cruise mode, which is dangerous because like you've been going under the radar a bit, and it's just going to take. Say if you lose on Sunday, the media will start putting a bit more pressure, and that's when you start to feel it. Especially you know being the in the Premiership hangover, you don't want all that media crap. Yeah, exactly. I think again, again, it's it was just another off night. Unfortunately, it was the like the third off night we've had over like interstate. Really, it's only been two. The game against Adelaide was an off night, but that had a bit more emotional riding it for Adelaide. And then the West Coast game was they were just too good on the day, and they played their home ground as well as we play the MCG. I think. They're missing, like, obviously we're missing Dusty, and that's a massive effect because he's that just that X factor. Like, like when Wingard went like went central for them, if you have Dusty exploding from the packs, it really helps Richmond because they've got a lot of good, 
like a lot of uh, like if you could say elite role players, guys that can play their role really well, but no one really breaks the game open like Dusty does. Yeah, and also missing Bachahuli is is that clean exiting kick. We still had Rance, but Rance can't Rance can't really do a game where he's the number one spoiler, the third man up, and the elite kick out. He can usually do two of the three, and so missing Hawley is a big one as well. But you know, it is what it is. Richmond will still finish well, top Court two. Court played the Doggies twice. I'm pretty sure they played Carlton, Essendon. I'm pretty sure they got St Kilda in there as well. So there's six wins, most of them at home. And I think they play against Melbourne. They got West Coast, Freo as well, which is banged anyway. I think that's away though. And they play Adelaide again. So that's off the top of my head. So there's at least six or seven wins there, which means they finish top four. Yeah. Which is a deep concern two, and they play doggies super two annoying. Twice in the next five or six weeks. Yeah, because you know the equalised the equalised draw, mate. It's all about the equalisation. Proper rant now, commentators. Please stop complaining and start comprehending. It was some ridiculous stuff being bandied about by commentators. Some commentators said that Friday night's game between Port Adelaide and Richmond was the worst game of the year. How was it the worst game of the year? Because it was contested. Because it's a little bit fumbly. Because there was pressure around the ball. Well, both teams had so Adelaide set up lots of numbers behind the ball, and then Richmond just let the numbers stay in the contest. And as and when it's kept being played in uh, Port's forward half, that meant they put lots of players obviously in in their in their defensive fifty. So it wasn't exiting out very well, and probably again could have been they could have you know gone back and manned up a few of those players, but Richmond back their game style and Port set up pretty well, so. Yeah, it just meant there was a lot of kick to kick and lots of time in one side's forward half. But it was very fumbly as well. I don't know if it was Dewey there or not, but a lot of players did fumble and struggled hmm. to pick up the ball. I watched the game. I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was a, like an awesome. It wasn't a block game. It wasn't. No. It didn't. It didn't suck eggs though. Like that game was not worse than the than the China the China game. Oh, I didn't watch any of the China. That's game. right. That game wasn't much. worse than the Bulldogs playing Collingwood at Eddie had. That game wasn't worse than any of the Carlton games that's on the Friday night. Yeah, no, no. no. That was a game between two. To be determined Finals top teams. four teams, teams. cracking in, yeah. having a dip, and yeah, it was a bit fumbly and whatever. It wasn't, you know, we won't go back and rewatch it in ten years' time. But it's not to go boo hoo. The game's broken. Let's let's talk about zones. Let's talk about how we can make this all better. Yeah. And then you get the exact opposite when on the weekend a team wins by forty two points and shouts to Collingwood. You played really really well, but it is an absolute joke to have four radio stations saying this is the best game of the year because two teams kicked over 15 goals. It wasn't a contest. You could tell by quarter time that Collingwood had won. And I was telling that to you and you were stressing because you didn't want the moz. Yeah. But I, I sent out on Twitter, go back and look it up, the Bathroom Alerts went at quarter time. I knew the game was over. Collingwood were going to win because Melbourne only had one game style. And that was, like, it was, it was fun to watch a team that I like to kind of dig into and complain about a little bit lose when they deserve to that was kind of fun but like for the neutral fan you just got to see a training drill like if a team doesn't run backwards and defend it's not footy well the good thing is at the moment is you got West Coast who are, you know winning games and, and doing it and Collingwood are doing it it co- probably costs us a little bit against Richmond because we weren't very good around the, around the stoppages where we're, we're actually having maybe two three stay at home in the forward half players set up there that doesn't matter if the contest is 60 80 metres away they're in the forward half so when we break and we you know obviously Collingwood are a very high disposal team use our hands a lot to run that extra 20-30 metres to bridge that gap and then we've got lots of space for our forwards to run into West Coast obviously you got uh, I mean they're missing Darling now but they've got Kennedy and Darling who are two very good forwards they've got Lysette playing great footy Water so they're setting up 
as well. They're setting up. We're going to keep our forwards at home a bit more because they're good one-on-one players. They're good one-on-two players, contested markers. Mm. And they're big boys. And they've got a big body midfield and they've got lots of big players on the ground. So they can afford to do that. And all it takes is for West Coast or Collingwood or even a Richmond. You know, Richmond, a bit different again, but they, they, they lock the footy in. They have their forwards buzzing around. A bit like, you know, Collingwood. The ball comes to ground. We score a lot from... Not from marks and set shots. We score a lot from you know stoppages and bring the ball to ground. So all it takes is for a team like that to win a game or win a flag, sorry. And you'll see teams change and adapt. Melbourne do it as well. Melbourne always have Hogan or, or uh, McDonald or someone stay at home a bit more. But again, they, if they win the footy and like they have the last few weeks, they keep big scores because of it. But if they don't, then they get found out going And this way. is the point. So everyone goes, need to play attractive footy. You know who's trying to play attractive footy? Brisbane. Gold Coast, Brisbane, Carlton and St Kilda. Think, and do you know I what their average... I their average Gold Coast Well, Gold Coast, uh, Gold Coast have lost... No, St Kilda try and... They try. Their game plan is, is attack. But what it should be... So what happened... Carlton last year contended in almost... You'd say they were, they were contending and challenging in 75% of their games... This year, the first eight rounds, they went, no, let's try and be a bit more attack-focused and got walloped consistently. Yeah. If you don't have the cattle on the park to try and play attacking footy or to try and hold in your mind as a collective group how to attack and defend at the same time, even Melbourne can't do that. When Melbourne play against a good team, they lose by 40 points because they only think about attack. That's not good footy. No. Watching a team lose by 12 goals is not good footy. Good footy is a contest. And so, yes... If two poor teams play against each other, it's not going to be a good game of footy. You can't fix that. That's what happens. Everyone's really concerned about like this becoming the EPL League where it's just four teams at the top that can win the flag. Well, guess what? It's only ever four teams at the top that can win a flag in, the, in a year. Unless you're the Bulldogs and shout out, you stole the flag, well done. But you kind of ruined the whole story for everyone else. There is like, It is unreasonable to think that Hawthorne will win the flag this year. They're going to finish about 10th. It's ridiculous to think that North Melbourne will win the flag this year. They're going to finish about ninth or eighth. Three teams, four teams, only ever win it because that's they're the best teams in the comp. That's just what happens. But what also, needs to happen? It cycles through that. Yeah, exactly. But also, what happens in the EPL? The team, like yes, three teams can win it. Four teams can win it. But every team can win every week. Yeah. Stoke can upset City. Why? Because they're defence focused. Yeah. They don't. They they bring the margin in and they can test. If every team did that, instead of worrying about all this pressure to play exciting footy or pretty footy, you'll see contests. And Gold Coast fans and Brisbane fans and St Kilda fans will go and watch their team if they think there's a chance they can win. You don't want to go there as a fan of your team because there are very there are very few footy fans going to just a random game. They'll watch it on telly because that's, that's, they buy the packages, they listen to all the talk shows, that's how they consume their footy. But the fans you want to get if you're the AFL are the fans through the gates, the kids wanting to watch their teams. But if you're a young, a nine-year-old St Kilda fan, you're not backing your dad to go to Eddie Had, or you're not saying, oh, when we go on holidays, can we go watch Gold Coast and St Kilda playing cans? Because you go, my team's going to lose by like 10 goals. Why do I want to go and cry about it on Monday? Your, t- your team needs to defend first and we need to get less obsessed with what it looks like and how pretty it is and realise that excitement and the moments and, you know, these little patches are things to be glistened about as opposed to the whole, the game's ruined, how do we fix it? You fix it by being competitive. Well, the, the other way to fix it is two quick ways. Okay. Well, one quick way, sorry, and one is a bit more drawn out, but just be patient. Yeah. So we're about to talk about it now, but you either fold the suns yeah. And automatically, there's 20 to 30 
decent players going back into AFL system to play other clubs. So every club is a bit more stronger. You play a bit more attractive football. You can play a bit different football. Or you wait another, probably another five to 10 years when the next generation comes through. So Gold Coast, for instance, in when, when they started up, there was 800 you know, uh, Oz kickers playing in that in Gold Coast. Now there's 10,000. So by saying that, this is probably the same in Sydney, probably the same in Brisbane, definitely Perth and Melbourne, Adelaide, you know, football, AFL, you know, homelands. You keep investing in the in grassroots, the the talent pool will get bigger because more people are playing. So the more people play, obviously there's a greater chance, just simple mass, that you can get good players. So you just gotta wait for that pool to get better and bigger, then we'll have better players playing AFL instead of lots of blokes being recycled or I mean, it's great to see you know guys come through the VFL a bit mature, mature age players and playing good footy. But if you had, you know, GWS and Gold Coast, like if you had those twenty-five to thirty players that play majority of the games throughout the year, throughout every other AFL list, obviously the the standard would be a lot better because you've got a lot, lot more strength in the teams. But because we've got eighteen-team comp, it's a bit diluted at the moment. So you know the top. Top teams have got ten or so, ten to fifteen good players, and it drops away. The bottom teams, especially like St Kilda, you can name probably five, hmm. and then it really drops away. And you think, well, how can they be competitive again? Well, they got to get back in the draft. And we're about to talk about Gold Coast, and I think that's a simple fix as well. Again, it's going to take a couple of years for it to be fixed, and they really botched it up. But I think you need to instead of trying to change the rules or setting zones or change the rotations or whatever. Because if you lower the rotations on the interchange, the, the skills going to drop off because players will be tired. Yeah. Goal kicking will get worse. They're still going to run the same amount of distance because these players are. Tra- are and trained. this is what I find hilarious about starting points as well. Like, yeah. oh, we need to have starting points. Well, the coach will just say, "Cool, you start in the fifty and you run to the contest." Yeah. And then when they get it, have to run back the other way to where they came from. Yeah. Then they'll be buggered and they'll still miss the goals. Yeah. So you just need to relax. Just don't over don't over complicate things. But this this should have been this should have been. When they thought about the the two extra teams, this should have been future plan. Like they should have gone, all right, well, just so you know, for the next ten to fifteen years, while these two teams are getting established, we're probably gonna have a weaker pool. We're probably not gonna be as strong and whatever. But you look at this year's draft and how many good players there are, and how many you know, if you watch any TAC Cup football or underage football, you'll see that some really good football is coming through. Especially if you watch Sample, there's a couple of really good Adelaide youngsters, like South Australian youngsters coming through, and. Obviously, if there's 40 genuine good picks in the next year's draft, that's 40 more. Like, you'd probably say 20, 30 maybe from last year's draft. Maybe. If you say 40 to 50 from this year's draft, then there, there you go. It's already going to be better standard for football. So just relax. I've got now on that, though. So I've got two or well, one major hot take. If, if you want to improve the pathway, you get rid of the draft. So... You look at the elite elite talent pathways around the world, which one has it absolutely nailed? And the one that has it nailed is foot, like Ramble football. Yeah. Because Barcelona will find kids and be like, we want developed kids. Yeah. So they find the best kids at nine, they go into their academy, and the good ones stay and play for Barca, and the rest go and join the other other leagues. Probably, there's not, there's not enough... There's no, no, but it means money, that... Money, no, no, but it means though... talk though. So, but it means though that when a kid's playing on the Gold Coast... It's like, well, now I, I, he grew up watching Gold Coast, playing. Yeah, it's like, they get to do that now. They've got the academies. That's what they do. But they don't get to keep their picks. 
they so do, there's no, they, there's it no costs, in, it costs them though, it costs them draft points. Yeah, I know, but that's not that's still not enough. That's, 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 that's still not enough though, because everyone goes. It needs to be fair. Hang on, does it need to be fair? Or we need every team to be good, because then then it's up to you. Then the ownership's on the teams. And again, this this is a part a two part plan because at the moment the AFL owns every single team. Yeah. Again, the most competitive leagues in the world are the ones that that are privatized because at the end of the day. It's up to the team to be successful. Yeah, but it's only within Australia. You can't... I know, I there's know. There's only a cap. And every club but, does but, have... But if, if the clubs... Like right now, the Gold Coast know that if they suck, they get bailed out. Yeah. They get they bailed out. They need to because they got, like, they, got, they got absolutely rammed when they got set up. That was almost a guinea pig for, G, for GWS. Hmm. So we might as well start talking about it. Yeah, exactly. We're yeah. going to start talking about the Suns and how to, how to fix it and what's going to happen. You can't tell me that they got like we all know what happened to them. So they got put up in in porter sheds. Yeah, they had poor training facilities. They really botched up their football department. They really botched up their first coach. They botched up their drafting. They botched everything up. Let's be honest. They felt rushed it. Yeah. When they said let's let's expand, they weren't ready. They didn't yeah. understand what expansion meant. Yeah. They didn't know how it was going to happen. They, they brought over players from other codes. It was the whole thing was ridiculous. And then GWS came in like, oh, we made all these mistakes at at Gold Coast let's not make the same mistakes again so they GWS got the world like how many they got so many first round like that one year they had like 15 of the top 16 picks or 14 of the top 16 picks or something like that Gold Coast never got that luxury they they, tra- they traded in differently or, dra- or signed free agents differently they, everything was done a lot better and even now like they've been a good football team for a couple of years and yes they're top four last year and year four whatever and this year they're struggling because of injury and they've lost all, these, all this talent they're still a good team. As Gold Coast had none of that. And they never had a culture. So there's lots of issues there and they're going to have to start again. Like, I heard on, on Friday last week that they're going to ask for a priority pick, like a compensation pick, and that Stuart Jews pretty much made a decision and just said, look, if you want to play for us, you play for us. If you don't, then you better have a plan B before round 23 because after that, we'll get you to your destination kind of thing. So he's like pretty much told players, if you don't want to play here, go, sort yourselves out. If you do, then good, we'll fix you up. And obviously, you know, Mark Evans has been put there for the AFL, so is Stuart Jew to fix the club up and get it up and going. And then I heard, you know, yesterday Tony Cochran say that they are going to pretty much ask for the conversation pick and a, you know, a, pick, a, a pick from the, the AFL to help them out. And obviously other clubs will be kicking up a stink about that, which is fair enough after what they got when they started. I actually doubt they'll get it this year. I think they'll get it the following year. But and so it makes me wonder whether the, the rest of the info I got fed is actually is you know is full on as well. So if that's the case, and you understand why they played so poorly in the weekend because half these blokes are probably checking out already. But that's what they probably need to do. They're probably going to get rid of you know fifteen or twenty players a turnover. If you were if you were that case, then so the number one is Tom Lynch. Obviously, everyone's saying where's he going? Has he checked out? His form's dropped off. If you were stu- big Stewie Jew, yeah. do you just bench him? Like if you if you've had the conversation with Tom, and Tom goes, "I'm out of this joint. This yeah. joint sucks. Richmond's giving me two million next year." Yeah, do you just go cool? I have to play youngsters then. Yeah, well, Hutchie said that on uh, for your classifier. You know, why are they, why are they playing if he's gone? Play two minute Peter, and they're like, "Oh, his form's not good enough." Well, so I don't think Lynchy's form's okay. Either. I don't know. He's probably playing injured, and there's a lot going on in the kid's head. But like. I, I'd much rather the NRL system where if they sign somewhere else, they come out and say it, mm. and they can just get on with playing. Surely, like 
they're professionals. They know what's going on. The supporters understand. Be a lot more, I think a lot more understanding if that started happening. Then all this media and it gets rid of all this like media speculation. Yeah, he said, she said, yeah. whispers. Oh, they're going. Oh, North offered him forty or five million. Like the salary cap's only thirty. No, no, no. They've worked their way around it. Blah blah blah. Well, do, all this other bollocks. Well, they got one first round pick this year, and they they've got a, I think a third round, a fourth round pick. So they're going to get back in the draft through trading, obviously. But they botched last year. And this is where the clubs will be going. Are you serious? You give them a free pick for pick up Lockie Weller, paying him eight hundred grand. For pick two, like, look, let's be serious here. Like, come on now, Lockie Wells is a good player, yes, but he's not a pick two mm. in a draft. Like, spare me. So they're they're going to lose talent this year. There's no doubt. But then they're gonna go back to the draft, which is probably a good draft for them to go back to with all the players. But they also need the, the AFL's probably going to up their cap as well now for so up their soft cap for more coaching. And they'll get they'll get coaches up there. They'll AFL will pay overs to get coaches up there. You know, Mark Evans, Stewie Jew, and that will make sure it's all under control. But it's just going to take a couple of years, and it's not their fault. Like, imagine, and I've heard this a few times as well, like, they've, they've travelled over 44,000 kilometres. They, they haven't played a home game for the first 10 or 11 rounds. That would not happen to any other club in the AFL. No. But it happened to Gold Coast. Like, it would not happen to any Melbourne club, maybe North or Western Bulldogs, but who cares about them? Um, and it probably... It wouldn't even happen to JBS, I don't reckon, because that's that is the baby for the AFL. They're the they're the baby, and yeah, they've just been stitched up royally. And I think I, I'm still pretty confident they'll come home and win a few games later in the year when things get sorted out there internally. But there's a bit of bit bit of things that happen, and yeah, I just think yeah, everyone just needs to relax on the Gold Coast. And if they don't work in the next by say 2023, then just fold them and go to a 17 team comp which will fix our bloody complaining about the standard. Every team gets a buy every week, so you have two buys a year, however it works, or you play 17 rounds and every week the team has a buy. Work it out because that's the best way going forward. You know, the players want less games and shorter games or whatever. So let's sort it out. And if it, like I said, give them a five-year five year cycle. It works because the AFL is pumping heaps of coin into them. Which again, other clubs are pissed off about because you know we've got this soft cap and this this tax that you know West Coast Collingwood Hawthorne um, was Essendon, but probably not anymore. Richmond. Richmond, they all pay lots of money back to the AFL because they're good at making money. You know, well they want to see their money get used for something good instead of propping up two other AFL clubs. So to round out the conversation there, do you think part of this kind of crisis merchant kind of hot taking about the Suns is the way of the Melbourne media distracting from the fact that Carlton and St Kilda are pretty poor as well? Right, yeah. Like, the, the game out there on the weekend, Gold Coast St Kilda, if St Kilda don't win, Richardson's gone. And you've got a club that's, you know, in a lot of debt in St Kilda, they have to get, they pretty much have to get rid of him if they lost to Gold Coast on the weekend just because the fans will just turn feral. Which is unfair on Allen because they've actually done it right. Like, and you look at Bucks, you look at Harwick and other clubs that are stuck by their coach, it generally pays off. But, they just haven't got a good team, so how can he? Like they got no good players. Like they've. Again, it's just been the messaging though, because like yeah, the know, best yeah. thing about Carlton has been all this year they've done the journey documentaries. We're on a long journey. Our kids are young, and like in five years' time, we'll be we'll be doing the thing. We'll be, we'll be back to what the Carlton of old. But we've got to get we got to turn off this list. We've got to do all this stuff. St Kilda came in this year, 
and people were saying they'll be finishing top no, eight. They said playing, they wanted a top four. They were, they were finishing top and four contender. and being contenders. Even with that list, ago, yeah. with that list. But if you're a Geelong, oh sorry, if you're a Carlton supporter, mm. you can sit there going, I'm, I, I don't mind watching Carlton because I get to see a few very good young players yeah. running about and put put effort and everything in. You watch St Kilda and you, like you watch St Kilda on Saturday night in the first quarter and you're like, what's the point? Mm. Who out there is any good? Like, what have what future have we got? And that's what their problem. Their recruiting has been poor, and that's you know, there's lots of again, there's lots of issues at uh, board level, football department level at St Kilda that I've mentioned a few times on this on this pod and tonight live that needs to be sorted before they start worrying about yeah. sacking a coach because that needs to get sorted. Then give Alan Richardson support at at you know at the football department level because I know for a fact there again they're not very great there with paying assistants and stuff like that like, they've got an assistant coach who coaches full time VFL at Frankston so if he's an assistant coach doesn't matter what I don't know what level he's at but I know he's he sits in on all the meetings and stuff and they even spoke about this the other night again on Footy Classified surely he's getting paid enough that he doesn't have to worry about coaching another VFL team like but I would suggest he's not yeah like why would he have to take up that like Again, it might be for his, you know, personal development or whatever. Development, but come on now, like seriously, yeah. sort it out, Secure. Moving swiftly along to the more positive things, this week's preview, and of course, a check in on our kitty round twelve, up and down round. Our best bets for the first time in a long time did not get up. Of course, Port put a knife through our Richmond bet and Melbourne drank their own bathwater and vomited up our bet everywhere. However, we're up still 9% for the season, return on investment for our best bets. And history would suggest that they'll be back in the black this weekend. However, our values and roughies were what covered us this weekend. It was a worthy trek to Kidinia Park as the in-game multi of Geelong 1-39 and under the match total of 161 got up. Shout-outs to Lockie for cheering it on. We were the only two cheering for a couple of late North Melbourne goals there in the uh, hickey stand. And then on Sunday, we were probably the only two watching the Essendon-Brisbane game in the pub. But Essendon failed to win a third quarter again, this time by a solo point. And thank you, Bombers, for stinking it up yet again against the Lions. In the name of Jay-Z, we doubled your money and made a stack on the weekend if you followed our roughies and value bets. They are up a whopping 67.15% for the season. We're giving you capital V value there. A multi... Well, no. Didn't get up. Apologies. But, uh... Our multi's been shit. I'm not our, mu- our multi's been average. We apologise greatly and for that. And even looking at this weekend, I, I just can't find a multi because it's... Anyway. I found one for you, but, okay. but no spoiler alerts there. Overall, however, we're up 44.5% return investment across all of our bets. So don't play it week to week. Play the season. Take us all the way to September, and we will make you some coin. All right, round 13 preview starts Thursday night, tomorrow night. Footy's back quicker than ever, and that means there's less bollocks on the telly, which is always good. Port Adelaide are hosting Western Bulldogs. The line here is 36.5 points. The over-under of wildly concerning 141.5 for those crisis merchants that rely on high scoring for football to be interesting. And uh, Port are $1.10 favourites. The too-long-don't-read story about this is that Port will be hunting percentage against a dog side 
that just loses to a top eight teams and interstate. They've averaged average away losing margin this year for the dogs has been thirty five points. Do you see anything out of the ordinary in this one, Baz? It's gonna be really really wet apparently. Okay. And uh, the team that I don't want to talk about will probably win and win quite comfortably. And I think they will score in the weather. Uh, my bet for this game is they will score between. 76 and 90 points at $3.30 and that's all I'm going to say because it's a team I don't like so 76 to 90 for Port Adelaide yep I'm not mentioning that yep fair enough I just think for the listeners I'll, I'll add the clarity but you don't yep. have to talk about them um, and the other team they stink and they're pretty young and they're not going that well they're struggling to score and I think a few markets are out there uh, a few you know they do under overs on, on scores so yep. I think it's around about 38 40 points so in the wet weather, they struggled against Adelaide. They played a bit of. Surely they've learned from that. But I'd be, I'd be, they'd be struggling to score forty points. I reckon. Yeah, the other interesting little fact what I found there is that the Port Power averaged one hundred and seventy three percent in third quarters, while the Bulldogs just averaged fifty six percent. They get walloped after half time. They just run out of legs. I've got no idea why they're a young side. They should be fully fit, but they're not. Huge injury toll may play a factor into that. So my play action on this one is Port to win the third quarter by nine and a half at a dollar ninety three. A bit more on that later as well. Friday night, Friday night match that is so good. I have a house party that I apparently organised, and I am thinking about wagging my own house party so I can watch this game. Well, if you're wagging, I'm not going either. <laughs> so you need to let me know. <laughs> we might have to sneak out the back and I uh, set up in the in the, uh, Can we in find the shed a or something TV somewhere. Yeah, I think so. Uh, West Coast are looking for 11 straight. Sydney are fresh off a 51-point first quarter and a 71-point shellacking of St Kilda. A training drill. An absolute training drill. Sydney are $1.55 favourites, however. West Coast, $2.46 outsiders. The line here, 10.5. The over-under, or 160. The SCG has not been a fortress this year, but it does suit Sydney's inside style far more than West Coast's outside run, and the Eagles will be missing Darling. Will it be a repeat of round one, or is this going to be the finals preview that we like to see? I think it's going to be a finals preview that we like to see. Like Round one, West Coast were pretty good, and it just took a freak, freak performance from the Budwa mm. to get them over the line. And I, I've been thinking about this a lot. Like Yes, they're missing Darling, uh, smaller ground, but I, I really like West Coast midfield. They've got big-body midfielders in Yo. Um, you know, Gaff and Shui add a bit more speed. And yes, it's a bit more uh, tight, but I think they've got the forward line that really will stretch Sydney. And their back line's pretty solid. And like, I, the, only worry, the only small worrying thing for me is that the little buzzing forward line, apart from Buddy, they don't really have a lot of matchups for those. They've got some, but not a lot. The weather's going to be good, so I don't think that'll really matter. And I just, Nick Knapp plays a massive part because he'll tower up Sinclair. Sinclair will probably do more around the ground, but at the stoppages and the follow-up work, that's where Nick Knapp comes really good. And I've actually probably taught myself into uh, tipping West Coast here. There you go. So I I wrote West Coast, Sydney, West Coast, Sydney, couldn't decide. West Coast haven't won in Sydney since 2007. So I think, I just don't think the SCG suits their game style. Yeah, they, I, know, I know that their big, modi, their big body mids kind of, like, kind of sell that point in. It's like, yeah, maybe they'll win it at the source. Yeah, but they're a kicking but they, side. They're a kicking side, yeah. yeah and they got, their ground's not very big and it doesn't allow for their run. Yeah. But I'm thinking more... So, every time I've done it this year, I've tipped against the team that I've talked about what their... Correct. 
So this time I'm actually going with mine. All right, there we go. That's why I'm going with it, and I'll probably be proven wrong, and it'll probably piss me off on Saturday, Saturday night or Friday night. Sorry. Um, yeah, I, I just think that they're, they're they're more dangerous around the ground than what Sydney are. I think Sydney is still a very good team, and I'll probably they'll probably just miss out on top four, and I think there's still a good flag chance. But I just don't think they have that depth that probably West Coast do. And West Coast have surprised me, don't get me wrong. But I'm actually now heading onto their bandwagon a bit. And like I said, if, if Josh Kennedy gets off the chain or a Lysette gets off the chain, or I just don't see you know, Sydney having a defender that can go with him. Like, Grundy does a great job, but it's, you know, he's not big and strong. So if it's a, it's a high ball one-on-one, I'm backing Kennedy in or Lysette in or Waterman or anyone else in that. Like, the crowd's been playing pretty good footy. You've got really Rioli running around. Their backs are holding up pretty well, you know, Shepard and, and, and the like. So, uh, yeah, I'm just going to stick with them. And they're about $2.50, which is ridiculous for the top team. Mm. And si- Sydney haven't really been travelling that well at Sydney this year. Though. Yeah, it's no fortress of the SCG. And would West Coast would be wanting to, you know... Prove a point. Prove a point. They've had the bye, which doesn't generally favour teams after coming off a bye. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just thinking they're probably going to be my, my value bet of the weekend is West Coast around $2.40, $2.50. Like that interesting little stat here as well is that they're first in shot scoring conversion. So if they if they even get a sniff inside fifty, they're gonna make them pay. And Sydney haven't been great at creating shots. Like they can they can play that really like clogged up, ugly style football that all the media people hate. So again, I'm I'm going with you on this one as well. I reckon West Coast, a little point of difference tip for your tipping comp, and uh, definitely one for a bit of value there as well. Heading into Saturday action. There's a couple of Saturday games here that are hugely important for clubs' internal narratives, the story of the season, and a couple of the Christ merchants. They might not be ones to rewatch in 10 years' time, though. We kick off with Carlton versus Fremantle at Eddie Had. The line here is 9.5, over under 160, which is again a bit concerning under the dome. Carlton at home are $2.42 outsiders against the Fremantle side that has not been out of travel this year. It's like Space Jam. They get into the airplane. The airplane steals all of Fremantle's football powers. They get off the airplane. They can't play footy. They get back on the airplane. They head back to Perth. And they turn to absolute jets and they beat Adelaide on the weekend. But surely Frio's travel bug cannot be so bad that they lose to Carlton this year. I thought Carlton would be alright this week. But like, you saw that okay. Frio side on the weekend though. Yeah, well... <laughs> They, they play 10 times better footy at home. We know that. Freo play a lot better football so, at home. But, like, surely they can work it out. But but we've seen them in Melbourne and we've seen them elsewhere and they just stink it up. They just disappear. And for me, like Carlton, and, like, they were pretty good against Sydney for three and a half quarters. Mm-hmm. Like, they kept kept in it until probably... There was a part in the third quarter where they got blown out and that's, what, you know, one Sydney in the game. It didn't really change after that. But I think Carlton have been all right except for that one stinker. Well, they got pumped. They've been. You know, They've lost only won one game. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm not. I'm not. I do follow football. I know how many games they've won. But Fremantle, yeah, they've stuck up. You know, Fife versus Crips would be great. And Crips just apparently is about to sign um, to stay at the club as well, which is great. And it's all over Twitter at the moment. Yeah, both teams struggle to score. It won't be a pretty game to watch. I. The unders overs, I would have been happy to jump on if it was at the G. Yep. Uh, with the weather forecast for the weekend, but I'm going to leave this game alone. I'm I'm very tempted to tip Carlton again at the value, but 
I'm probably not going to touch this game because it just seems a bit yuck for me. It's a bit like the St. Kilda Gold Coast game. You just don't want to don't touch it. Yeah. So, I mean, that was my initial thoughts. I dug a little bit deeper into the quarter-by-quarter quarter trends, which have been doing me an absolute favour this year in terms of making a bit of cash. And I found this little nugget that Carlton are the 17th-ranked team for first and third quarter performances. So, if you take Fremantle to win the first quarter by two and a half... And Fremantle will win the third quarter by two and a half. That pays you $3.60. Yes, the hoodoo exists, but even I even see them like winning those quarters and maybe even still losing the game. That's that's the beauty about these quarter by quarters. It even paid off with the Essendon Brisbane. So there's your value for that one then. I reckon that will be featuring in my recommended bets for the weekend later on. Second of the three Saturday games, we have Gold Coast versus St Kilda. We have matches that are eight-point games. We have matches that are ladder shapers. This one is a coach maker because this could be the end of Alan Richardson. Or perhaps we should name it the Tom Lynch Cup. Gold Coast are $2.25 outsiders at home to St Kilda who are $1.65. St Kilda are $1.65. They have not won since round one, yet they are favourites and well inside the $2 evens market. Line here, 7.5, over under 169. It is a long story of woe and shame. Gold Coast have lost their last two matches by a combined 193 points. And, uh, yeah, St Kilda got smashed by Sydney and it was all over before the umpire even bounced the ball for the second time. What do we make of this other than don't watch, don't bother, and whoever loses can pretty much drop off the face of the earth? Yeah, I don't know what to make it up. I've been kind of... It's another one where you just look at it and go, okay, Gold Coast have actually beaten a few teams this year. And up until... Like, they've had their poor performances. And, you know, last week I thought they'd be... They'd bounce back after the, the game two weeks ago, but they didn't. They were absolutely pathetic on Saturday. That, again, it just absolutely stank of something not right. And it's interesting to see how they bounce back or whether it's just going to be... Because if they don't bounce back this weekend and they get pumped again, the, the rest of the year is just shot. They might as well pack it up and not play the rest of the year and just come back next year. But then you watch St Kilda and, you know, they were pretty poor for that first call. They showed a bit for the second. A couple of their players showed a bit, but not really else. They get, obviously, uh, they get, they get a, um, Carlisle back. I don't know who Gold Coast get back. I haven't looked, to be honest, because, yeah, this, this game just this stinks. But you think you think Gold Coast should be sure of that, but, yeah, last week they were bad. They were really bad. I haven't seen... Actually, you're right in China against Port. They've come back and they've been just poor. It does reek of a team that checks out. The number one set for that is that they are ranked last in the league for fourth quarter performances. Yeah. So they just they just don't finish off games. There's just there's just a, there just seems to be an apparent lack of care. Well, if they're not if you that. are unfortunate <laughs> enough to to win, but like most teams can sell a story. So like when Carlton's getting smashed, it'll be like, come on, let's 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 start the week. Let's let's start next week off right with a, with a bit of a, a fight. Yeah. St Kilda have actually been pretty good at winning fourth quarters. They did it against West Coast. They fought back against well, fought back's pretty generous, but they 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 competed against Sydney in the last quarter. They've been doing that. Gold Coast have been, nah, we're checking out here. We're done. No thanks. Not keen. But yeah, stay away from this game. I'm tipping St Kilda, however. Yeah, I'll probably end up tipping Saints just to be on the safe side, but geez, it'll be interesting uh, Saturday night if Gold Coast get up. What else will be interesting on Saturday night is this game, Hawthorne versus Adelaide. That When you read that at the start of the season, you pencil this in as an absolute humdinger much watch. Now it feels a bit like a matchup between two evenly placed also-rans. 
Hawthorne against Strangely are dollar sixty five favourites. Adelaide two dollar twenty five outsiders. The line here eight and a half. What do you make of this one? Oh. <laughs> Adelaide are very hard to read at the moment. Oh, well, they've got lots of injuries and they showed some footage of their game on the weekend on Sunday. There's a few blokes that just don't like working hard enough and oh, talk about Freire how they played different footy at home, but like there was kids running 100, 150 metres to get on the end of it while a couple of kids from Adelaide probably haven't had it that hard yet because they've had the cattle around them just decided they're going to jog and guess what their opponent gets on the end of it uh, yeah no touch to you this is uh, this, I'll probably won't even watch this game because it'll just be yuck uh, uh, this game is almost more unwatchable than Gold Coast and Kilda that's a ridiculous statement that's <laughs> well, an absolute ridiculous statement I, I just don't I don't rate either team I don't think they're playing any good footy either fair enough but I, I, when I looked at this game I actually couldn't be bothered that's how much I just don't think it's got any Hawthorne won't play finals Adelaide won't play finals Adelaide if they get players but they might as well just put all these players in the in cotton wool until next year and just reload again get finish outside the eight get a you know first round early first round draft pick do some trading because they're probably going to lose McGovern and Sloan and a few others Tom Lynch get get Rankin or Rankin or his name is from Adelaide in from uh, from the from South Australia stop saying Adelaide it's South Australia as a whole um, and Hawthorne well, they got a pretty soft run coming home and they could, they're could probably a sneaky chance to finish top 8 like real sneaky but again they're not much and uh, apart from probably Silks Schoenberg going 350th probably the only thing that might be worth interesting but you know Cyril Rowley is pretty much done I reckon now as well you know he's gone back up to Darwin because of family issues which hope everything's okay and talking about family issues the Muppet who uh, racially vilified Eddie Betts. Eddie Betts on social media as well should absolutely have a good hard look at himself and understand what he's doing before he becomes an idiot. Uh, he probably made an innocent mistake, you know, being young and not knowing any better, but his parents should have brought him up a bit better and taught him well. But uh, yeah, no no, no tip, no bet, no. Um, if I, are you allowed to leave? Can you tip draws? You can tip draw, yeah. I want two minutes to draw. Wow, that's, that's how disinterested in this game I That am. is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, one here, again, based on the quarter-by-quarter quarter trend lines. And again, if you watch a couple of Hawthorne's games, they do fade out late. So again, despite the loss, uh, despite the win against Port Adelaide that initially started our hatred for that club, uh, they did fade out hard in that fourth quarter. They've been fading out hard in fourth quarters a lot this, this season. They're ranked 15th for that. So my angle here is Adelaide to win the fourth quarter pays $2.12. To round out the round, we have an absolute humdinger, but a huge chance of a boil over as well, depending on whether or not Dusty plays. Geelong are $3.05 outsiders to Richmond, who are $1.50 favourites. Why is that? Because they're playing at the MCG on a Sunday afternoon. The line here is 12.5. The over-under, 152.5. Probably because it's going to be wet, apparently. It's going to be wet, yeah. Or it's going to be a bit of rain about it. They're saying that Dusty's going to play this week. Surely that's a bit of mind games. Or Why he, wouldn't he play? Or, or apparently he's got a calf issue. He's going to go away for three weeks. Come on, what's the media? What, can the media make up its mind or what, what story it's going to spin? Anyway. And Dawes stopping him after he gets back from New Zealand. is just... Can we just leave the bloke alone? Like, yes, he's a footballer. You know, we know what he's like as a person, as a footballer. He's not going to talk to you if you doorstop him. No, most people won't. So just let him be and stop... 
making something that's nothing. Anyway, it's at the MCG. I thought it was actually it was down at Cadinia Park. No, no, no. Richmond's got too many fans to take you down to Cadinia Park. We'll be on that now. Once you win a flag, you don't go to Cadinia. Yeah, I, I thought because did you go there last year? We went there last year because yeah. we were nobodies. Now we're everybody's. So oh, no, fair enough. You can't imagine, mate. Talking about going down to Cadinia. Shout outs to V Line, and when I say shout outs, I mean shame on you. Work out the schedule. There's a game North versus Geelong last week on a Saturday. Oh, buses are retracing, placing trains because you know there's track works on. Whatever, we'll deal with that. One bus. Yeah. One bus holds how many people? About I don't know, 80? like eight. No, like a, not even that. Like fifty, I think, is the legal limit. Yeah. One bus to North Geelong, or South Geelong, wherever Kidney Park is, Geelong. One bus. How much does a train hold? More like probably ten times that. Yeah, it's a couple hundred. Ridiculous. Yeah. Sort your sort your stuff out there, V-Line. Absolutely ridiculous. This one's at the MCG. Luckily, so it'll be a short walk for me to go watch me tigers. Uh, do you see Geelong backing up their good form? The little masters back. Is They're playing good? danger up front. Yeah. Can uh, they? Can they cause an upset? Richmond were pretty down against Port. It'll be a low-scoring game. Yeah. So it means both teams are always a chance. I'd be. I'm going to tip Richmond. But the way I saw this was it's a mere a scrap. Uh, if Dusty plays, it's a big advantage for Richmond. They need to be cleaner. Uh, I don't think he can play more anymore down forward. I think he's got to get on his bike and go back to the Magoos. Uh, We've got a lot but, in the Magoos to come back, to be fair as well. So. Yeah, if I've got a few blokes that played on the weekend that are probably going to get shifted back. I think Higgins probably will and Butler maybe. There's a few blokes that I think you know, probably need to spell back in the twos to gain a bit of form and just get back to that work ethic that they need to play for Richmond. Because I think, yeah, it's kind of way, like I said to you, that you're winning games and you're in cruise mode, but those like bottom six or seven players can't, can't afford, afford that, to go yeah. in cruise mode. They need to be up and about for Richmond to keep winning because you don't bat deep, but if they play their role and have that effort, win their own footy, all that stuff, all the cliches that I'm all for, then... Richmond will win and that's fine and I think yeah under 15 and a half either team so it'll be within two or three goals I reckon and yeah I think under 152 and a half is a pretty good bet as well with the weather forecast and the way that Geelong are going to probably play the game they're probably going to try and play a bit of keepings off and really possess the footy so Richmond can't set up their zone or can't win the footy and, and go back the other way really quickly uh, I, yeah I see it being a bit of a low scoring scrap so yeah, Richmond to win, but I'll, I'll be looking at under 15.5 either team and probably unders in the total match points. There you go. I agree with unders. I don't agree with uh, the each way on the 15.5. I think Richmond's forward line match up really well against Geelong's defence. We saw this in the final last year. If I'd take a gamble at Richmond to cover the 10.5 because I think Dusty's going to play. That's, that's kind of my mail. And, yeah, we are the... The mosquito fleet kind of humming at the feet of the tall, long defenders. That's how North got them in the end. Like, yeah, Ben Brown did grab a few marks in the lead, but most of their goals came from kicking it, locking it in, and then picking it up off the ground and, and snagging a few that way. Yep. That's how Richmond scored the bulk of their goals. And yeah, even our bigs like like Jack, jumping Jack, causes causes defender to take like to compete at ground level, which Long didn't have. So I'd be going the cover on this one, and obviously tipping Richmond. I just think Geelong haven't really. I still think they're a 50-50 team. So I think they're they're not a top four team. They're probably uh, top eight, four. So four to four, four to seven, four to eight. 
I don't think they, they've probably haven't got enough cattle to beat Richmond if Richmond are 100% like, yeah. and, and on. But I think, I think the Scott boys, or, or sorry, the Scott twin who coaches them will be pump them up a bit here for this game because they haven't really beaten anybody. No. So they've beaten Melbourne. They yes. beat North. They beat North. They haven't beaten the top team yet. Yeah. So they haven't beaten the Sydney. They haven't beaten the um, West Coast. So haven't beaten anyone really who's showed it. I mean, they beat Collingwood. You know, I still don't think we're anyone. Uh, so we saw this. This is the thing we saw this with Melbourne last week. Melbourne came in off some good form. They had a couple of good wins, much like Geelong, and then they played against another good team. I see this one being being the class maker, and this one, this game being the proof that Geelong aren't at the same level as Richmond, Sydney, West Coast. Yeah, but if Geelong win, that's big. <laughs> Everyone's been listening for our round 13 feature bets. Baz, what is your best bet for the weekend? I don't have a best bet, mate. I'll let you, let you go with this one. You've all been right. going all right lately, so... Fair enough. Give me the rain. So, yes, I'm going for Port Alley to win the third quarter. Minus 9.5 at $1.93. That's based purely on the trend lines that the Bulldogs just fall over in a heap. We saw it against Collingwood. When they play them at Etihad, we saw it against Adelaide. When they play them at the Adelaide Oval in the wet, they just they just don't have it. They just don't have the ticker after half time. So watch the game fall apart. That one tomorrow night. Value wise, Baz, what you got going on? I'm tipping West Coast two dollars forty six. That is a very good tip, and I'll be jumping on that one as well. Much better than the one I had penciled in after our debates. Ruffy wise, what do you got floating about? I've got two here. Yep. So I've got 76 to 90 points for Port Adelaide to score. Yep. Total match points. So I've scored between 76 and 90. And I've got them to have a half-time lead between 25 and 36 points as well. Mm-hmm. So generally, uh, the, you look at the doggies, yeah, they're, they're not great. I think Port will start really hard and really quick in, in the weather and then probably back it off a bit. So 76 to 90 total match points is $3.30. Two winning between 25 and 36 points at half-time is $4.50. There you go. All good stuff there. My roughy for the weekend is Fremantle to win the first quarter by two and a half and the third quarter by two and a half against the Navy Blues. They just don't start well in either the, the games or the main break. And uh, it's cost them dearly all season. It'll cost them again on the weekend. And if they do manage to get up and win, you'll still catch them. $3.60 there per dollar spent. And my multi for the weekend is called... If you win three quarters, you usually win the game. So it's all based on my quarter trends. I'm rolling with Fremantle to win the first quarter by two and a half. Port Adelaide to win the third quarter by nine and a half. And Adelaide to win the fourth quarter, just win it outright. That will bank you $8.02. And uh, that's no stranger or weirder than any other multi we've tried this year. So hopefully this one gets up. Fingers crossed. Absolutely. If you haven't found a place to watch it, head down to the Yorkshire Hotel. On all the screens, the Socceroos playing against France. They're paying about 16 bucks. So if you want some real value there, uh, jump on the Socceroos. But I seriously, seriously doubt that. The safer bet would be the 8 bucks on the draw. Realistically, however, we're playing against 
one of the fancies for the World Cup and one of the best attacking sides. So it could get ugly for the Socceroos, but we just need to get a draw and a point against Denmark and Peru. I think we'll get out of the group. We're still good value to get out of the group. And just uh, save your money also for last at Mooney Valley. Get on Crystal Spirit, mate. About 16 bucks each way. Good draw. Early speed should be in it. There we go. What are the odds that we'll talk about everything else as well? Absolutely, 100%. Thank you to our Mixler's listeners. Thank you to the Yorkshire Hotel. Thank you to Sporting Chance Magazine. And thank you to all of you. We'll be back next week. And hopefully we'll have a pocket to have this week. Don't have a chance, just don't move now.